God. Let's put our hands together, all you God-loving, life-loving, happy, joyous, abundant people. How are y'all doing? Good to see you looking so bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. After a little bit of time travel last night, you made it to a new hour. Thank you for being here. We are better when we are together, and we're so glad to be in God's house with God's people and you are looking good. That's your neighbor. Say, he's talking about you. Go ahead. Okay, go to your second choice now. Say, maybe he wasn't talking about you. I don't know. We are in our journey through the seven letters to the churches in the last book of the Bible, the revelation of Jesus Christ. We are in the fourth letter in our continuing study. And today we're going to talk about overcoming intimidation. Have you ever walked away from a conversation and knew that the person got the best of you? You felt intimidated, you felt manipulated, and you walked away going, I wish I had been stronger. I wish I had stood up. This message is for all of us that have ever felt that way. The title of the message, Overcoming Jezebel. She is in this letter. We're going to come to her. And uh, she is both an Old Testament character and a New Testament character, two separate people. And so if you have your Bible, you can open up to Revelation chapter 2, which is the text, the scripture that we've been studying in the series. Uh, next week, we'll go into Revelation chapter 3 for the remaining churches. And then also go back into the Hebrew scriptures, the uh, Old Testament to 1 Kings uh, chapter 19, because we find a character, a real woman named Jezebel in 1 Kings, and we find a real woman, Jezebel, in Revelation chapter 2. She was not the same woman, or she would have lived a very long time. But we want to talk about the attitude, the spirit of this Jezebel. We're going to read the letter. Let's open our hearts uh, to God's Word. I'm reading from verse 18. It's not in your study guide. You can pull your study guide out. That will help you. We have a lot of material to cover in our message today. And I'm going to read verse 18. Verse 19 is in your study guide, so we can catch up to you. But verse 18 says, Write this letter. It's the fourth of the seven letters. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Thyatira. This is the message from the Son of God. Wow, whose eyes are like flames of fire, whose feet are like polished bronze. Verse 19 is very important. I want you to pay attention to this verse. If you have your Bible out, which will be helpful, I want you to note five things in this verse that God loves. And when you understand the things that God loves and you line up with the thing God loves, you will live a blessed and an abundant life. So here we go. Verse 19. I know all the things you do. Here's the five things. I have seen your love. I have seen your faith. I have seen your service. I have seen your patient endurance. And I see your constant improvement in all these things. Let's just run through these five things. Because if you understand these principles, it is an anchor to the truth that we're talking about today. And the truth we're talking today about today is canceling 
the permit of intimidation. Intimidation will not take place in your life. Manipulation will not take place in your life unless you permit it. We'll get to that. These five things are the anchors that will help you to overcome intimidation. The first one he says is, I love, what was the first thing? I love your, I love your love. Jesus summed up his message. He summed up the scriptures, all of the scriptures in the statement in Matthew chapter 22. And he said, here's what it's all about. Reader's Digest version. The Bible in a nutshell. Love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Connect with your creator. That's what Jesus was all about. In fact, Jesus came to the earth to build a bridge from where you are to where God is. He wants to connect you to God. Love God. Then love people. God has placed people on the earth as well. Um, Some of them good, some of them bad, and some of them ugly. And all of them are in your life as a laboratory of the Holy Spirit to teach you, to cause you to grow, to push you. So this is about loving God. It's about loving people, even the ones you don't like. What did Jesus say? Love your... Some of you you just mumbled it. No, no, no. Let's say good, strong. Love your... Because he just said these people will teach you things. Love people. And then you love people uh, having a secure relationship with the gift that God has given to you, who you are, to connect with who you are. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. We call it around here loving your life, this gift of life that God has given you. Love God, love people, love life. That is the Bible in a nutshell. And the more time, the more deeper we move in that, the greater we move in our relationship towards God and the greater we enjoy life. The second thing he said, second thing he loves in this verse, verse 19, I love your love. Second thing he loves your Loves your faith. Uh, faith makes God happy. Your faith on the earth brings joy in God's heart. He said, faith pleases God. Makes him smile. How many would like to make God smile today? So faith, what is faith? Faith is believing God's word enough to do it. I'm going to say that again. Faith is Believing God's word enough to do it, enough to take action. It's trusting God. It's trusting God enough to change the way you live. It's acting on your trust. God loves when you trust him enough to lean into him. Have you ever watched somebody, or maybe you've done this, do a trust exercise where they stand up and they, they, they stand behind you? You've done this. You're, you're, you're laughing already. Did you do this? Did, did they catch you? Most of the time. So here's the exercise, and you've done it. And, and they just say, lean back, and I want you to trust me. I'm going to catch you. And they're supposed to catch you every time. Otherwise, it breaks trust. And that's the whole purpose of the exercise, is to teach you to trust. Well, here's the thing. If you just stand there all day and go, I, I trust you. I'm not leaning back. I trust you. I don't know if I really can trust you. Just saying you trust is not enough until you lean into it. And here's what faith is. Faith is leaning into God. We grow in our faith when we, when we do what we're doing this morning, opening God's word, studying God's word, 
God's word builds our faith. And when we read it, we go, I trust that enough to walk out those doors and live differently than I walked into this place. That's what faith is. So he loves your love. He loves your faith. What's the third thing in verse 19? He loves your your service. Uh, Jesus said uh, the greatest person in this room is the person who serves at the highest level. Not the smartest person. Not the person that sings the loudest or sings the best. Not the person that drove in in the biggest automobile or the one that learns to serve. Jesus taught his disciples by saying, watch me, disciples, I'm kneeling down, I'm taking the towel, I am washing my followers' feet, I want you to observe what I'm doing, and I want you to do the same thing. When you learn to serve, you learn to fulfill the purpose of your life. There is a purpose for you in this generation. You are on the planet, not by accident. You're in this world, in this generation, for a divine purpose. And your purpose is to find where you should serve, how to serve this generation. And he loves when you do that. So, I love your love. I love your faith. I love your service. I love your patient endurance. Now, we've already talked about that in this series. Can you remember what patient endurance is? It is, okay, I'll tell you again. It is never giving up, right? Don't you remember? Never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever, never, ever, 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 never, ever, 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 never, ever, this is patient endurance. Never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever, never, ever, this is, are you getting it? Never, ever, 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 never, 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 I'm going to do this again sometime. Never, ever, ever, never, ever, never, ever, never, you got it? Good. What is patient endurance? Just never give up. It's if you had a bad week last week, you're here today to stand up again. I'm going to endure. I'm not going to give up. And then number five, which is very important, he said, I I want to encourage you, and I love this. I love this about you. You have, what's he call it? Constant improvement, not just constant improvement, but constant improvement in the things you're doing, which means, um, how many of you love God? Let's get a verbal response. How many of you love God? Okay, that's good. How many of you love people? How many of you love the life that God has given you? And what he's saying is, you could do better. No one in this room has exhausted love. You can grow in your love for God. Whatever level you were at last week, you can constantly improve. So you come today and go, I'm ready to grow. I'm ready to love more. I'm ready to love deeper. You can grow in your love for people. You can grow in love for your life. You can grow in love. How many of you trust God and you put your faith in God? Excellent. But you could do more. You could grow in your faith. You could constantly improve. What a great church to belong to. So every week they're coming together and they're growing in love. Every week they're coming together and they're growing in faith. Every week they're coming together and they're growing in? In service. So if you served last week, you could serve someone else this week. You could expand. You could deepen your service. Wow. And not only that, you're growing in your decision to have patient endurance, which means you will 
Ne thank you. Thank you. One person. Thank you. But I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep going here till I get this through. I am not giving up. So he says, you can do all these things. And imagine belonging to a church like this. Every week they come together and they love. Better than they loved last week. Every week they come together and they have greater faith than they had last week. Every week they come together and they serve at a deeper level than they did last week. And every weekend they're encouraging each other, hey, I'm not giving up and neither are you. We're in this together. I got your back. What a great church to belong to. Thyatira had it going on. And have you noticed this about these letters? That you can have all kinds of good track, but one thing will derail the train. I want you to get that. You can have 23 good hours like you did yesterday or today, however you count that. But one bad hour, and it can affect everything else. You can have a month, 28 good days. One bad day can affect the rest of the month. You can have miles and miles and miles of good track, and one thing laying across the track that you don't pay attention to can derail your train. And that's what he warns them about. He says, hey, your, your, your love is great, your faith is great, your service is great, you're, you're never giving up, your patient endurance is great, and you just keep on getting better and better and better. But there's this one issue, and here's what we're going to talk about. Verse 20, but I have this complaint against you. You are permitting, everybody say permitting. You, are, you know what a permit is, like when we... When we burn a bonfire here, we have to get a permit. We have to have permission. Permission. When we go to do beach baptism, we have to get a permit. We have to have permission to take the sound equipment. I have so many people on the beach when we do beach baptism. They permit. You are permitting. Some translations use the word tolerate. Some use the word allowed. You are permitting that woman, that, Jeze that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, self-appointed, and here's what she's doing. She's leading my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food that is offered to idols. Now, let me just talk about this character in the Bible, Jezebel, for a few moments. As I said, she's a real person in the Old Testament, Hebrew Scriptures, and a real person in the New Testament. But we're looking at what's behind the attitude or the spirit of this Jezebel. And let me show you how the spirit of this Jezebel works and see if it has influenced your life. It is a spirit of prideful insecurity. Prideful insecurity. We'll see that when we look in the Hebrew scriptures in a moment. It's in this woman right here. Prideful insecurity. They're very egocentric, but very delicate. And that doesn't take much to set them off. They are prideful, but they have a, they're, it's always with an insecure edge. They operate in manipulation, control, and intimidation. I've just given you five characteristics of Jezebel. Prideful insecurity that operates in manipulation, control, and intimidation. And she can only operate, or this spirit can only operate when... We permit it. So we're talking today about canceling her permit. That's what we're talking about, canceling the permit, uh, withdrawing the permission. 
Uh, remember when Paul talked to his young friend Timothy and was encouraging him in the ministry, and he says, uh, Timothy, there are, some, there are some people, and they weren't people. He calls them a spirit. God has not given you a spirit. I know you're facing it, Timothy. God hasn't given you a spirit of timidity. People were intimidating this young pastor. And he says, that's a spirit, and I want to identify that spirit. And that spirit doesn't come from God. That spirit of intimidation doesn't come from God. God has given you a spirit. What does Paul say? God has given you a spirit of power and a spirit of love and a spirit of a sound mind, 2 Timothy. So it's a spirit, an attitude that intimidates. When you're in conversation, you're always afraid this person could explode at any moment. They'll use anger as an intimidation. They'll use... um, withdrawing from you as intimidation and manipulation and control. Now, let me show you this. The spirit of Jezebel is not gender-based, which means that there are women that have this spirit and there are men that have this spirit. Uh, Of course, there are the the women we're talking about, so that's self-explanatory. Let me show you a, a character in the Bible that was a man who had the spirit of Jezebel. He was the Herod when Jesus was born. He was called Herod the Great. He was called Herod the Great because he worked very hard to get that title by ingratiating himself to the Jewish people because he was, a lot of politicians have this one. Watch this. He was ingratiating himself. In fact, if you go to Israel today, he built great things. Stuff he built is still standing today. If you go to Israel, which Darla and I are doing next February, you could join us. We will go to the Western Wall. And at the Western Wall, people pray. It's the retaining wall. But that wall was built by? Yes, smart people come to this service. I knew. I knew. I was waiting for you. You've had an extra hour of sleep, so you should be okay. Right? You're the 11 o'clock people. Didn't you get extra sleep? Come on, that's why you came to second service. Come on. Let me ask this. Are there any first service people here that shifted their time? Yeah, okay, I see, I see, I see, I see. Okay, yeah, yeah I'm going I'm to go to the next service. Okay, anyway. Uh, you, we'll go to um, Caesarea Philippi, where there's an amphitheater still standing, built by Herod the Great, to ingratiate himself to the Caesars. Politically savvy, manipulation. Working with the Jews, lots of construction projects. Remember he was the the Herod that the wise men came to when Jesus had been born. And watch how he operates. Uh, He says to the wise men, um, oh, there's someone that's been born king. That's so wonderful. He was a liar. Historically, we know that Herod the Great killed most of his natural family to protect his throne. And, but he, to, the, to the wise man, he's smiling. He's like a snake. And he says, okay, uh, listen, when you find this baby Jesus uh, that the prophet Malachi says is in Bethlehem, when you find this baby Jesus, please, please, guys, come back and tell me where he is so I can come and worship him. He wasn't planning to worship him. He was planning to kill him and kill the wise men as well, the witnesses. He would have wiped them all out. So the Holy Spirit has to speak to the wise men and say, you need to go home another way. You need to stay away from Herod. But he worked in this manipulation, intimidation. He, um, he, he, he didn't keep wives very long. Maybe that's part of the spirit. 
He was rolling through. Like in the early years, he used to send his wives off. He would exile them. Then in the later years, he used to kill them. In fact, it's historically recorded that he killed his favorite wife. And then he said, I, I wish I hadn't done that. <laughs> his son that was to take over to be the next Herod, his son that was to become the next Herod, he had him killed five days before he himself died. He was close to the end of his life and was so insecure in his prideful insecurity, Herod the Great, that he wiped out his son so that he couldn't take over his job even though he was going to die in five days. Spirit of Jezebel. Now, before we throw stones and say, oh, I know some people like this, let's, let's turn the mirror and look at the man or the woman in the mirror because all of us, all of us to some degree, have had this. It's when we have that desire to manipulate an outcome, to shade the truth, to make things turn out the way you want them to, not, and, and if they don't turn out the way you want them to, there's a blow up, there's a, we all have gone through this. So before we throw, we all have to all look at ourselves, but then we want to look and see if that spirit of intimidation is keeping us from God's very best. That was God's concern with this church at Thyatira. And I'm going to give you five um, examples or five characteristics, uh, effects of this Jezebel spirit that you'll be able to see it in other people and maybe see it in yourself. But here are five things that, that the, the spirit of Jezebel uh, works through. And I've already said this word several times today, but let me point it out to you. Number one uh, the spirit of Jezebel is a manipulative spirit. It's always working its own agenda, maybe smiling to your face, go down and tell that where that baby is, bring it back here, but manipulating. Jezebel in, Roman, in Revelation chapter 2, what was she doing? She was manipulating uh, people in the church sexually and spiritually. She was teaching them how to commit sexual sin and to eat food that was offered to idols. She was manipulating them from God's best, from God's plan, to a much less plan. When you don't go for God's best, you end up with much less. You hear that? And that's what she was doing. Um, some people in this room have a constant stream, an unusual constant stream of sexually immoral thoughts. And there's a spirit base to that. And it's time to cancel that permit. It's time to come to a moment of freedom in your life. She was manipulating them spiritually. She was manipulating them sexually. She was a manipulator because that spirit manipulates. The second thing I'll just point out is that the spirit of Jezebel produces incredible fear. And we're going to go back to the uh, story in 1 Kings and pick up Jezebel of the Hebrew Scriptures. Jezebel of the Hebrew Scriptures was married to the king, Ahab, because Jezebel always needs someone to manipulate, someone to control. Oftentimes, if you are a leader, you'll find that there'll be someone beside you, and they will be trying to influence your decisions, not for your best. For their best is what they're working on. Jezebel had convinced Ahab to institute the worship of Baal. Baal was a false god, not the true god. But she had all of Israel worshiping Baal. Now a prophet named Elijah stood up and said, that's not right. We should not be worshiping Baal. We have a commandment. One of the big ten. 
says, don't worship false gods. And you got these false gods, so he called a contest on Mount Carmel, and uh, about a 1,000 false prophets showed up, a lot of them. 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Ashtoreth, and one prophet of God. And Elijah stood in the middle of them and said, worshiping these false gods is wrong. We're going to have a contest. You build an altar. I'll build an altar. And the God who answers by fire, that's the God we're going to serve. If Baal sends down fire, we'll worship Baal. But if God answers by fire, we'll worship God. He said, you go first. So the false prophets, they, all day they worked out, all day they were trying to like flip a match in. They were trying to get their cigarette lighters going. They were, they were trying to like pull one over. They were dancing. They, were, they cut themselves. And, and Elijah was mocking them. In the, in the ancient language, he literally says, uh, is your, does, your, does your God happen to be on the can? Like he was mocking them. Uh, maybe he's indisposed right now. Maybe he's got a bad case today. He was mocking them. And finally, after all, they're exhausted, and he says, okay, we want to make this really fair. I want you to saturate my altar with water now. Just, we'll just soak it. Soak it down. And after it was totally soaked with water, he said, okay, God. And he calls down fire from heaven. This guy, this guy's heavy duty. Fire from heaven, prophet. And then he wipes out the thousand false prophets. One prophet. I'd say this guy's fairly fearless, wouldn't you? And then Jezebel says, I'm coming to get you. I'm going to kill you. And he was seized, watch this, with an irrational fear. A fear that distorted reality. The reality that he knew on Mount Carmel he lost when he heard and confronted the spirit of Jezebel. Because he hears this and he goes into a panic, an irrational panic. It says in verse 3 of 1 Kings 19, Elijah was afraid. This fearless prophet is now seized with fear and he flees for his life to Beersheba, to the farthest part of the country. He flees for his life because he's lost, watch this, perspective. The perspective he had on Mount Carmel that God was his source and his supply and God would see him through no matter what the odds were, he lost that and became seized with an irrational fear. That irrational fear led him to a place of, number three, isolation. And this often happens. Fear will cause you to isolate. And the spirit, the manipulation, the intimidation of Jezebel will cause isolation. Look at what happened to him. Verse 4, he went What's the Bible say? He went on, and how did he go? He went, what's the Bible word say? He went alone into the wilderness, which is not a great place. And he traveled all day. And he even picked out a solitary tree. He, he was so lonely, he picked out a lonely tree and said, I'm going to sit under this tree, and I'm going to pray that I will die. The spirit of intimidation, manipulation, will cause you to stay in bed all day, pull the covers over your head, and to stay in isolation. It'll, it's the, it's the, the attitude that I'm going to the movies, I'm going to go alone. I'm going to watch TV all day alone. Now there is a difference, and get this, there's a difference between solitude and isolation. Solitude is when you withdraw to spend time with God. 
Jesus did that. That's healthy. That's good. Isolation is when you withdraw to spend time with yourself. There's a difference. You see the difference? Jesus withdrew to spend time with his heavenly Father. He was nurtured and strengthened. Elijah withdraws to spend time with himself, to mope and to complain, and he, he, to become, and here's what happens, number four, total exhaustion. He was wrung out. He says, ah, have you ever heard these words? You ever heard, maybe you've said them or heard them. I have had enough, Lord. It's just too much. How about this one? I can't take anymore. Anybody, maybe you have some friends that go to other churches. You know what I'm, you're hearing with this language? You know what that is? It's exhaustion. These are the people that go to bed tired and wake up tired. They're exhausted because all night long they're not sleeping, they're worrying because they're seized with fear because there's a spirit of intimidation. There's not a great trust in God. There's an intimidation from this evil spirit that is pushing you, and he's totally exhausted, and what Jezebel really wants to get you to is depression. Number five, because he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So here is this great, powerful man of God who sits under a solitary broom tree, and look at his prayer. Look at his, look what this man of God that took on a, almost a thousand false prophets. Now, a few days later, he's alone under a tree, full of fear, totally exhausted. And here's his prayer. I pray that I might die. Now, Lord, he says, take my life. Now, there are people that are sitting here with us that have prayed that prayer. Just so hopeless. There are men of God in the Bible that have prayed that prayer. Elijah is not the only one. Moses prayed, Lord, take my name right out of the book. So wipe me out. Jeremiah prayed that his life would end. Jonah, the prophet, prayed, Lord, just end my, just end my life. Because the enemy comes, as Jesus says in John 10.10, 10, the enemy comes to do what? To kill to steal, and to ultimately destroy. That's what he wants to do. That's what, that's what this spirit is bringing you towards. Destruction, self-destruction, and, and there's three really sources uh, to depression. Well, maybe more, but there's three, that are, three broad categories. Let me say it like that. There's physiological sources of depression. There's psychological sources of depression. And there are spiritual sources of depression. This attack of Elijah is a spiritual source of depression. It was this unusual fear that seized him because of Jezebel. And if the source of depression is spiritual, it needs to be addressed spiritually, and victory needs to be won in the spirit in order to find freedom and liberty. This intimidation, you need to pull the permit you need to cancel the permit. I, I was thinking just, this idea came to me too late, but I should have brought a big red stamp with the word cancel on it. And you had Ash Wednesday on Wednesday. I should have stamped your foreheads going out of here. Stamp, stamp, on the way out. Come, just come up, and people would say, what's that? I've just canceled the spirit of intimidation. That's what we're doing today. We're addressing this. And even while I'm talking about that, there's spiritual things that are happening. 
because Jezebel does not like to be revealed. She likes to work in the shadows. That spirit is a manipulator in the shadows, a little behind the power. So, like all of the churches, there is a solution. And what is the solution? I'm glad you asked. Remember, all of the churches, here's an important word to understand, that they all these things right, there's something wrong, and in order to find victory, he calls the churches to, here's the word, repent. Metanoia, we've talked about it. It's to turn your perspective, to turn away from things that are hurting you, and you literally need to turn away, get this please, brothers and sisters, to turn away from the person that is intimidating you, manipulating you, and controlling you. You need to stop giving them their power and turn towards God who will give you all the power you need to overcome whatever that spirit was doing. That's repentance. Then he goes on, verse 24, but I have a message for the rest of you in Thyatira who have not followed this false teaching, which they called a deeper truth. They called, uh, he actually calls where this truth really comes from, the depths of Satan, actually. He said, I have, uh, I will ask nothing of you more than verse 25, very important verse, watch this. Uh, here's the one thing I want to ask you to do. I want you to hold tightly to what you have until I come. Now, first of all, has Jesus physically returned to the planet yet? No. Is he coming? So we're in that, we're, we're right in line with this verse. He hasn't come here. So what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to hold on to what you have. Now, let me, what, what, is, what did they have? And if you've got a pen, draw a line in your Bible from verse 25 to verse 19. What did they have? Here's what breaks the spirit of Jezebel. What they already had was already, it was already in the house. I'm going to tell you the miracle you need is already in the house. The miracle you need to overcome the spirit of intimidation in your life is already here. And here it is. You, your security comes from your love. You understand that you are a beloved son of God. No matter what the spirit of intimidation is saying to you, manipulation and control, your security comes from the Lord. Your, your security comes from your relationship with God. Not what people think about you, not what Jezebel says about you, but your security is rooted in God. Your love relationship of God will make you secure. And when your relationship with God is secure, your relationship with people will be secure. And if your relationship with God is insecure, your relationship with people will be insecure. So first thing, love God. And how many of you love God? Okay, you, you, could, you could do better. That's constant improvement, I'm just telling you, okay? Especially, especially if you're battling with this. He just says, especially. What else do we need to improve? We come back to what we already have. Number two, we already have faith. We, how many of you trust God? That's what he said. Now, this is important. People cannot control you if you're not trusting them. You're not leaning into them. You're not looking into their eyes for affirmation. You are looking to the Lord and say, God, you've got my back. I'm leaning and I'll fall over as many times as you want because you never, never, ever, never, ever have let me go. I'm going to trust you today and trust you tomorrow, and I'm going to keep on trusting you. So already have that one. Third thing that we already have, it's already in the house. 
serve. Now, you can't serve people when you're isolated from them. Okay, so it's pushing you towards people. Facebook Live people, I love you, but you got to come. So it's okay. Sometimes I know you're at a wedding, you're doing things you can watch, but you've got to get here. So you, you are with people, even people that aren't nice. Come on, we got some weirdos here. Come on, let's, let's be honest here. So this is a great church for weirdos. Well, I'll just say it like it's a great, it's the perfect church for people who aren't perfect. I'll just say that. Because we're just acknowledged, it's true. So, so, oh, I don't get along with everyone. Jesus said, love your, your enemies. So he pushes us towards serving, washing, serving, finding a place. And serving, when you're concentrated on serving, you won't be moping in a cave thinking about yourself. And then what's number four? Patient endurance. What's that? This is the only section that's getting it. I don't know about the rest of you. I don't know if you people back there. But you need this back there. If you're give up people, move up here where the non-give up people are hanging out. Upgrade. What that means is if you had a bad week last week, you're not giving up. You had a bad month last month, you're not giving up. You're not going to stay in your cave. You're not going to stay in your place of depression. You're getting a moment, a breath of anointing. A spirit of God is coming on you. And today you're going to stand up and say, I am willing to cancel the permit on intimidation. I'm not staying there today. I'm not walking out of those doors the way I walked into these doors. And then number five. Go back to number one and repeat the cycle. I'm just telling you. That will break. That that means you stop letting people intimidate you because you're so in love with what God is doing in your life and so connected to what God is doing in your life. And it, it, you stop tolerating Jezebel. You pull the permit of, you pull the Jezebel permit. No, they're not giving you permission anymore. That permission slip is canceled. It's not happening. And he encourages that church, this ancient church, to do that. And I encourage you, beloved brothers and sisters, to do that. And we want to pray to that end. So let's take a moment to close our eyes, open our hearts. And if you are battling, and while I'm talking, it was coming to you. Intimidation has come against you. Manipulation has come against you. Intimidate, control has come against you. That spirit of fear has come against you. And today you'd like to say, I am pulling that permit. I am canceling that permit. I'm not going to let, my desire is to not let that happen in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to just put your hand up high and just receive that right now. Go put your hand up high and receive it right now. Just wish, that's me. That, that God knows your circumstance. And we're going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask uh, all of us to stand together. Our prayer partners are going to come immediately to the altar. And we're all going to stand and we're all going to pray this prayer out loud. This is a prayer of commitment to God. It's a spirit of receiving God's grace. It's a, a prayer of acknowledging the Lordship of Christ. Here it is. Let's pray it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I open my heart, my soul, my life to Jesus Christ.
Jesus, you are my Savior. Jesus, you are my Lord. I put you in charge of my thoughts, my feelings, my emotions. I repent of my sins, and I turn towards you, Lord, to receive your love, your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness. Help me, God, to be more than a conqueror, to overcome in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, 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 amen. Let the church celebrate. It's a good prayer. So our team is here, especially, especially to break the spirit of intimidation. Now listen to me. Because some of you come weekly and we call for prayer because the Bible says two or three people should pray together. And I can talk all day and that's good. Not one amen, but it's still good. But a moment of prayer is where your miracle is. When two or three people pray, that's when Jesus shows up and miracles take place. Some of you are so intimidated by this very spirit we're talking about, you haven't been pressing in to receive because you're intimidated. What will people think of me? People will think I got problems. Let's just all... Let's just all self-identify. Uh, how many of us have had or are having problems? Okay, you're in good company. God's grace and God's peace to you. So I want to call you to come and receive prayer. If you're receiving and making a commitment to Christ for the first time or for the first time in a long time, so important that you come forward and say, hey, I'm making a commitment to Christ. I want to get my life back with Christ. And our team is here to pray with you. If you'd like to receive a communion, there's a table on the left-hand side and the right-hand side, and uh, you can come and receive communion and uh, receive the bread in the cup of the Lord, which reminds you about Christ. If you've been a guest here today, let me thank you for coming, and let me encourage you to come again. If you have never stopped by our VIP room, you are a VIP, and we would like to meet you. It's back on the left-hand side. You can't miss it. It says VIP, and we'd like to pray with you and for you especially today. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing. And after that prayer, the worship team is going to begin to lead us. People are going to receive prayer. I encourage you to receive prayer, receive communion, remember Christ. You don't have to be a member of this church to receive prayer or communion, but let God do something powerful in your life today. Cancel the spirit of Jezebel. Overcome Jezebel today. After this prayer, there's no other benediction. There'll be worship, there'll be prayer, there'll be communion. Go, but when go into God is done with what he needs to do in your heart by the grace of God. So I pray the Lord will bless you. I pray the Lord will keep you. I pray the Lord will cause his face to shine upon you. And I pray that you will be more than a conqueror. I pray that the spirit of intimidation will be broken. For God has not given you a spirit of timidity. God has not given you a spirit that would be intimidated. But God has given you a spirit of power. And the Holy Spirit is in this room, and he's given you a spirit of love, and God's love is in this room, and he's given you sound thinking, and there's good teaching in this room, and those will set you free to work and operate in a new dimension of your life. I bless you in the strong, mighty, and majestic name of Jesus, and in Jesus' name, you are very blessed, and all of God's people say together, amen. Hallelujah. God bless you guys. We love you so much. Come forward for prayer. Please come forward for communion. Let's see what God would do, a miracle in your life. In Jesus' name, thanks, prayer team, for being here to pray with people. Let the gifts of the Holy Spirit flow. Worship team.